been a while since I've left home, but I'm coming home back today. I kinda funny, but I picture it only exactly as it was back in the day. The Jay Garvin Show Home and Mortgage Talk, Saturdays at 8 a.m., Sundays at 11 a.m., here on KRDO News Radio 105.5 FM, 1240 a.m., and 92.5 FM. Now, here's your host, Jay Garvin. This segment is brought to you by Empire Title, Bill McAfee, your best of the best Colorado Springs gold winner. I close my eyes and feel like it was back in the day. Everybody out there, I am Jay Garvin's, your host of the Jay Garvin Show Home and Mortgage Talk. And I appreciate you tuning in for the hour for the segment or just a couple minutes. You can get a hold of me personally at 719 330 1457. You also can go to jgarvins.com. That's garvens with an e.com and put in any comments. But I just really encourage you to take the time to call me, 719-330-1457. I would love to help you with your next purchase or refinance transaction. We've actually done a couple of transactions this month in December that have been very, very helpful. We did a reverse mortgage helping a couple keep their house out in Rush, Colorado. I am licensed and educated with that loan product with Churchill Mortgage, where I'm a licensed loan originator. So if you are an individual in your golden years, 62 and up, but primarily people that are 70 and older, there is a product called the Home Equity Conversion Mortgage, the HECM, the reverse mortgage that I can help you with. And Jody and Jack, I just appreciate your friendship so much. But also, we just helped a gentleman with a cash-out refinance where he saved thousands of dollars, literally thousands of dollars a month, and eliminated six figures of unsecured debt, that's credit card debt, installment loan debt, and got in a fixed mortgage, a payment that will stay the same and doesn't fluctuate like credit cards or line of equities. And I would love to help you too, especially during the holiday season as Christmas and traveling and gifts approach us, I wanted to share that with you. And also, as I introduced last week, I am continuing on with a series that covers life at the time of Jesus, a appropriate conversation for December, the holidays coming up to Christmas and the celebration of Christ's birth. And I don't usually have to make a disclosure, but today I'm going to do this because this is already a uh, heightened series and focus for me. I may have bit off more than I can swallow because covering the life at the time of Jesus in three or four segments is a lot to do. And I appreciate and would encourage all of your input. You can call me at 719-330-1457. But in my attempt to break down different aspects at life at the time of Jesus. I have to admit that I make some errors in how I referred to the Israelites or the Jewish people. There are some slangs and so forth, so I want to avoid that. I want the focus to stay on the content at hand. Last week I did life at the time of Jesus, and we covered how and where they lived 
within the walls of Jerusalem, within the over 200 villages scattered throughout of Judea, and the village houses and what they came. But with the drumroll mat, we're going to talk today about the life at the time of Jesus, professions, and what people did in biblical times. So, I've got a really good guest coming in who is a tradesman and a profession himself, but here I am with today's material for the podcast or the radio, if you're listening, on Saturday or Sunday, is the actual professions. And they kind of break down in two separate categories. The time that Jesus lived, it was amazing, which I'll open up in the second segment, how civilized and how developed the Middle Eastern lifestyle was. I mean, we have several thousand years of history to go back there, but there was over a thousand years of history and development even before we came to the time of Jesus. But I want to talk about all of the professions, a majority of which that were manual labor. Over 90% of the professions back then were manual labors, but we're going to talk about the blacksmiths. We're going to talk about the tanners, the carpenters, the weavers, the potters. Of course, the fishermen, where several disciples came from in profession, and the professional, educated careers as well, and other professions like what is an apothecary, merchants, singers and players, bankers, priests, Pharisees, scribes, tax collectors, and even governors. So we're going to talk about how they earned a living back at the time of Jesus. And my big takeaways, if you're leaving me this segment, are just have a sense of worth and value in how you contribute in society, because if no one has told you yet today, what you do matters. It makes our society work. I've been a lender. I've been a radio host. Most importantly, I've been a parent, father, husband, and child of God. So don't go anywhere. We're going to have an incredible time talking about the life at the time of Jesus and the professions of the time. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Jay Garvin Show. 15 million years ago you walked upon the planet Thought of all that you could see Just a little bit like me Walking in your footsteps Walking in your footsteps Many people say Jay Garvin Show Home and Mortgage Talk, Saturdays at 8 a.m., Sundays at 11 a.m., here on KRDO News Radio 105.5 FM, 1240 a.m., and 92.5 FM. We're back with your home mortgage Jedi, Jay Garvin's. This segment brought to you by locally owned Rocky Mountain Climate, a family owned business. Land given to Thank you for staying tuned to the Jay Garvin Show, where I am taking a hard right turn through the holidays and December and parting from the traditional mortgage talk and real estate talk and budgeting talk of my show 
and talking and sharing stories and more at the time of Jesus. And this is our main segment, and we usually call this the meat of the program, but my producer Matt laughed and said that might not be too kosher, because in the Jewish faith there are a certain number of meats and styles and animals that can be eaten and cannot be eaten, especially the forbidden animals. So this might be the instead the meat of the program, maybe the fish of the program I'm bringing forward. And if you don't like that joke, call in and tell Matt, because he walked me through it. But this is something that I have stepped out of my comfort zone. If you have any input at all, I encourage you to call 719-330-1457. I want to be respectful of this tremendous history. I am a Christian by choice, but I am just in awe of the Israelite, Judea, and Jewish faiths. Some of my best friends are born and raised in Israel and are Jewish. I have a good friend of mine, Uri, who was a pilot in the um, IDF, the Israel Defensive Force, and I was in the armed forces as a helicopter pilot, and we bonded there. But I had the most amazing opportunity, October of 2021, to go over to Israel and experience it like I love to experience other countries, and that's organically. We went over with Uri and his family and stayed and saw and celebrated the local traditions from a wedding to time in Jerusalem to current times in Tel Aviv to caravan down to the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee and all of this. And over the last 18 months, I've been casually reading and researching and did what I believe was an effective show of segments last week where I talked about the actual houses in and around the time of Jesus. Inside the walled city of Jerusalem, especially the upper city where the extreme wealth, wealthy people lived in their courtyards with their houses and their lifestyle. But I also talked about the villages which there's more than 240 at the time of Jesus, if you get that picture in your mind's eye. And then more importantly, the village houses we went through. And I'm going to pick that up today with the different professions. But before we do that, I, I want to share with you emphatically what we were looking at this time in history. If you look at the history of the Bible and the history of the Jewish people, there's 14 generations between Abraham and King David. Now, this covers over a thousand years, and there's another 14 generations to King David to the actual exile to Babylon, which is another 14 generations, and another 424 years. And there's another 14 generations between the exile to the Messiah Jesus. In actual years, another 580 years. So, this society that I'm stepping into, taking a tempered step into, is already got more than 2,000 years of history. So it's a very established society. You have the Jewish people living in Judea, but by this time you've also got the influence to a large part of the Roman Empire. You've got the Gentiles, the Sumerians, and everybody else around it. It is a melting pot, far different, but in other ways similar to America today. So when we go into the professions, 
probably one of the most visualized and practical as it's shown in all the nativity scenes and many of the stories and writings of the Bible is the shepherds. And actually, the shepherds and the farmers were intermixed. It's very interesting because the walled city of Jerusalem is very different from the mass of 240-plus villages throughout Judea at the time where you didn't have these beautiful cities like Colorado Springs at the bottom of the valley and we look up at the hills and the mountains. They would put their villages up into the hills or up on the ridges for protection so they could see approaching roads. People would save the prime land for farming, and in this case, shepherding. So individuals would go out to their farm fields. Jewish people would go out and shepherd. They would even go out to the outskirts of the village for some of the professions, which I'll share with you. But they would walk as much as a mile or two every day each way just to get to their farms. And in many cases, the shepherds used some of the same plots, up to 10 or 12 acres, in our mind's eye that each one of these Jewish families had. And the sheep and the herding, which was common for the time, was usually the younger members of the family. We see the old elderly shepherd in that. Sometimes, of course, was the case. Or you see the young boys because the adults of primary age and the more professional family members would actually supervise the cultivation of the crops, which we're going to talk about. But the shepherds would use the less usable areas or the non-arable areas up against the hills, the rocky outcroppings, sometimes intermixed, which I'm going to talk about later, of the olive groves that might be up more on the ridge or the fig or apricot trees, which were the fruits of the time. But the farmers get less of the parables and the stories in the Bible than the shepherds, but the farmers were the backbone, manual labor, agricultural, foundational stone of that societal time. In fact, in so much of the case that you had all different seasons, August and September were the harvest times, then you would go back maybe during the wet seasoning for the sowing in October and November in the Middle East, for the planting, and then in some cases in February you actually had the cultivating of flax, and in March you had some of the barley harvest, but mostly during the off-season of February, March, April, and May, it was actually just cultivating and tending to the existing crops. And what was amazing, as I come to this subject from a biblical stance, is that many, many times you would find that the different major Israel festivals were closely linked with the farmer's annual cycle. And this started to make sense to me. You have the feasts of the Passover and unleavened bread were celebrated at the beginning of the barley harvest. The 50 days later came the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost that we've heard about. That's when the wheat harvest began. And then the Feast of the Tabernacles that all of us know really took place when the harvest was fully complete. So this was not only a time of the year, this was intermixed with their cultural festivals. And you had the harvesting of so many things, but primarily in the Judean time of Jesus, 
it was grain and grapes and olives. And grain was a major staple, and you used every single part of the plant. You had to first plow and put the seed in, the sowing of the seed, and then you had the harvesting. But then after, I thought harvesting was harvesting. But back in the time, it was a very societal event of the thrashing and the winnowing where there were different activities, celebrations, rituals around the threshing of the grain. The winnowing, which happened outside the village, is when you're separating the actual grain from the tusk or the stalk, and everything was used. Like the stalk was used for brick binding. It also was used for kindling. That straw was part of the mats that would become an integral part of the village roofs. Three parts to the village roof where you had the cedar or the cypress planks. Then you would have these straw mats taken from the wheat. And then on top of that, a clay brick binding mix, which also had the stalk in it. And then, of course, the grain, the milling, which was another process in the harvesting, was used for many, many different foods as a staple. And then you go into the grapes, which we know through the vineyards, a majority, the drink at the time, because water was so scarce, was a fermented wine, again, part very much so in Jewish rituals and others of the time, that then you had the vineyards, again, on the hills, which, like I stated, are more of the less usable, non-ariable areas that the lower wheat and flax and other crops were produced. But then I could go on for a whole separate hour with all of the great presses and then maybe the drying, like on the roofs of the houses. You picture the people of this time, so much more of their day was occupied in preparing and sustaining their food sources. I mean, we just used to go to Coles where I grew up, or Safeway, or King Supers, or Piggly Wiggly in the South. Now, it's you just call Amazon or Walmart pickup, and so little of our time is spent, they had it mixed into the ritual of their day. Like the drying of the raisins, just like they have the drying of the figs, and the drying of the apricots. These are all farming and orchards that are of the time. And on top of that, you've now got the olives, which is a huge staple, and you've got those presses, all of these are part of what they do. And then you have the blacksmiths, which is interesting, like I stated, along with the tanners, because of the billowing smoke and the fermentation and the chemicals from tanning, these professionals were on the outside of the village, where you had the carpenters and the weavers and the potters and the fishermen that were right in the village, and the fishermen would travel out, the weavers, the potters, and the carpenters, just like Joseph and Jesus himself, would work within the villages. So many of these trades were passed down from generation to generation, and I'm going to talk this next segment about what they do with a very special friend and guest of mine, and then we'll finish off the conversation. What were the other professions? like the apothecaries and the merchants and the singers, players, bankers, Pharisees, scribes, governors, and tax collectors. So don't go anywhere. I want to bridge this time into how people lived at the time of Jesus in this amazing December series. Don't go anywhere. Please feel comfortable to call me at 719-330-1457 to give your input 
as I continue the conversation. Life at the time of Jesus, right here on the Jay Garvin Show. Holy land, don't Garvin Show Home and Mortgage Talk, Saturdays at 8 a.m., Sundays at 11 a.m., here on KRDO News Radio 105.5 FM, 1240 a.m., and 92.5 FM. We're back now. Here's Jay Garvin's. This segment is brought to you by Arrow Moving and Storage. Well, folks, I'm back. We're at the third segment already, two-thirds of the way through the hour where you and I are walking through life at the time of Jesus. And before the break, I talked about different labors of the blacksmith, the tanners, the carpenters, started to get into the weavers and the potters. I'll finish with the fishermen, but I've got a tradesman right here in the studio. Now, I'm not exactly an electrician, but I can pull electrical. I'm not exactly a carpenter, but I can build a cabinet. But I have Mr. Heating and Cooling himself. Good friend. First time I'm saying happy holidays, Jason. I'm saying the same thing, and I'm saying full steam Now, here's the thing, my friend. I'm looking at this book here, and I was thinking of you, and you that can't see this, this is... One of the books that I bought in Jerusalem City here that I've been going through, and I laughed with Jason saying, hey, you know, as we come in here and talk about life at the time of Jesus, you can go through and share with people exactly how the HVAC worked. And the cool thing is, is that, what did you say? Now, we're going to say it in nicer terms because be careful. There there are derogatory t- No. Hey, if you're listening. Okay, okay you- yeah. But the same sense, Israel's in an arid environment. Correct. And, and we know, as I do from Uri, a very good friend of mine that is born in Israel and is a man of Jewish faith, mm-hmm. he knows how to barter a deal. Yeah. And yeah. you were telling us it's amazing because God's people would certainly be in an area where they would not have to spend as much on HVAC, right? Right. <laughs> and, right. And if you look at these village homes that were basically, for the most part, mud brick walls, cedar planked ceilings yeah. with hay, yeah, with thatched it. roofs, and yeah. then clay, and then they had these adobe ovens right inside. Right. That yeah. had to be their HVAC. Yeah, but it's not a it? lot different than some of the machines you see out there, right? But was it? <laughs> but was it? Explain this to Did me. Did they my have friend. basements? No, they oh, they did have cisterns. Uh, you know, you see these typical villages that have these courtyards that are hidden. Underneath them, I found in the wealthy right. of houses were all their cisterns. So they did have root and wine cellars. So I guess that was kind of a basement. That's their air conditioning. So this conversation we had earlier, yeah, I found out from my property down in Penrose, uh-huh. from one of the things on 
It's an old stagecoach on the oh, road, right? Yes, uh-huh. One of them was a geothermal air conditioner for the stagecoach. How does that even work? Share that with me. It extracts cold air from the underground and puts it inside the structure. Wow. Or in the, in the summer, and then in the uh, winter, it extracts the heat from underground, puts it inside. Wow, that is amazing. It's like a heat pump. And exactly like a heat pump, because... I was amazed that they said because of the arid, they would have irrigation systems of these huge elaborate cisterns underneath their houses, primarily in the streets of the villages and the courtyards of, you know, upper city of Jerusalem and so forth, that you would do the same thing where it was almost this geothermal pit where the water would go down and stay cool. But like in the winter, then the ground was warmer than the brisk air. Right. So you can extract heat from cold, what is like 400-something degrees? Absolutely. Negative, negative 400-something degrees That's where you can extract heat from? I have no idea what you're talking about now. Anyway. But the bottom line is everything from the furnaces to the construction of the roofs, like, you know, in commercial mm-hmm. buildings, they'll put a lot of the HVAC and the furnaces and the cooling units on the roof. Back mm-hmm. in the time of Jesus... They would take these three-layered roofs, and that would be the place that they would dry their harvests. That's where the men would go to smoke their peace pipes, or the women would go to dry their clothes. We don't think of a vast change in climate in Israel, but you see where their stoves and their clay ovens inside their house would literally serve as their heating element in the months of winter. Yeah, yeah. It's, Did I it's, ever tell you the story? It's Neanderthal, but it's... It's effective. It hasn't changed, you know. I, when my second child... More technology's changed, but it hasn't changed. The laws are the same. Yeah. So when we had my first son, my wife and I are like, let's both stay up, live in the moment, feed the baby. And like six weeks into that, I'm like girlfriend i haven't slept in like a week and one of us doesn't go earn a paycheck like we're gonna go broke so the second i think of you because our second child ella first thing we did i went and set a cot in a makeshift bed in the back storage room right next to the furnace and i slept there and i'm like you tell me how things turn out in the morning we had it down to a science by then but i might have felt a little bit like an israelite because i was sleeping right next to my heat source, the tradesmen of the time, Jason, were unbelievable. I was reading what these tanners do that turned hides into leather, Mm -hmm. and the weavers that would turn flax. I didn't even know you made sail nets or fishing nets out of flax, so it wasn't like weaving a little shirt. They were weaving sailcloth. They were weaving ropes. They were weaving nets. All of that stuff. I might just be bold and say, if it was the time of Jesus, I think we'd be pretty damn good craftsmen. Like I said, it's all Neanderthal, but technology overcomes. But the Neanderthal way, it, what you said, it hasn't changed. It hasn't. The laws of geothermal are the laws of geothermal. You can't change physics. You, you can't. can't. Even though some people would like, we're not going to digress out of right. this. The bottom line is, and I shared before you came in, at the time of Jesus, in the immediate history, there was already 2,000 years of advancement. I mean, you look at all of the Greeks and the Romans. 
I mean, we're fired up because America has 240-some years of advancement. Yeah. And time changes at a faster pace. But the bottom line that I want to share with you, and it's a chance for me to give thanks and share that, but also with the listeners, my point is of this entire show is to just take pride and have a sense of worth in your profession. Because where would we be without heating and cooling tradesmen like you? It goes back to, again, with the Neanderthal thing. It's a time-tested thing. Take pride in your work. Do one thing and do it well. If you do try to do more than one thing, you're probably not doing it well. And the thing that I love the most about your company and your team is your family is team and your team is family. Right. Yep. Unless they're a new boiler technician that doesn't show up for work, right? <laughs> then he's not part of the family, right? Nope, nope. No, but seriously. Lost out on that one. Yeah, you got Steve, you got Frankie, and yep. every everybody else in between is part of the Rocky Mountain Climate family. That's right. Yeah, we at Rocky Mountain Climate, we strive for the best. We strive for integrity. We've talked back in the past, you, me, Jay, we've talked back in the past to your listeners that, hey, times are tough right now. I'm trying all I can do to keep up with employees, so be patient. You know, we'll yes. get to you to please be patient. Yeah, and that, and it's the time of patience and it's time of giving. And I listened to a short video by Tucker Carlson where he said, you know, if you have something to give, why wouldn't you first give it to your loved ones and your family members right. and your team members? And that's what I love. I mean, Marlo now gets a kick out of Frankie. Since you and I got out of the way with <laughs> Frankie, yep. Frankie and Marlo are on the same wave. Like they're, they're bottom line girls. So we're going to awesome. come out and visit and bring you and your whole team homemade cookies from Garvin's Media Group, which really is my wife, Marlo, and Ella. And just say hi to your team. Tell I'll the make sure I'll be out of the office then. Yeah. I'll, uh, how, how does everybody get a hold of uh, Ashley and uh, Frankie to get in touch with you? Radio listeners out there, please call us at 719-629-8686. That's Rocky Mountain Climate. He's honest, straightforward, and in today's world, that's a big plus. So don't go anywhere. I'm going to continue the conversation and get into more of the aristocrat professions across the, like, merchants, bankers, Pharisees, scribes, governors, tax collectors. You don't go anywhere. Call me at 719 330 1457 for any feedback about life at the time of Jesus or just to start a consultation so I can help you with your next purchase or mortgage transaction. You're listening to The Jay Garvin Show. Give me your eyes just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the broken hearted. The ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Yeah. Israel led out of Egypt's bondage, headed for a land that God had promised, leaving all their shackles and their chains. They weren't gonna stop for Pharaoh's army, weren't gonna turn back from the Red Sea. God made a way through the water and they all the Jay Garvin Show Home and Mortgage Talk, Saturdays at 8 a.m., Sundays at 11 a.m., here on KRDO News Radio, 105.5 FM, 1240 a.m., and 92.5 FM. We're back with your home mortgage best friend, Jay Garvin. We want to pop. 
you off. I'll be living in the land of Canaan, living where the milk and honey flow. I'll be singing this song forever, where the past has never been told. Well, thanks for sticking with me. Here we are at the last segment of the second show for life at the time of Jesus. And we had a fun session there previous with Jason Holmes, who is the owner of the family-owned Rocky Mountain Heating and Cooling. And I think of all of the tradesmen at the time of Jesus, and I just marvel in the professional tradesmanship, whether it's the artistry of something a carpenter made, whether it's a, a tremendous tapestry that a weaver made, whether it was an amazing belt or holster that a tanner made or the incredible net that was cast by the fisherman who was made by the weaver. The last segment I want to touch upon is other professions like what was an apothecary in the time of Jesus? If you were a Jewish citizen and you were an apothecary, what did you do? See, today we might think of them similar to not a pharmacist but maybe a druggist. See, all different ointments were very, very important for the time. There was no Walgreens. So if you had someone who could conjure up ointments from olive oil, from different spices, from different plants that would help you, that is essential, especially if you're a parent. But also into the luxuries of the different perfumes and the different scents, understand that many of the perfumes the ointments, the waxes, the oils were actually to sustain people from the body odor. You weren't taking showers down the hallway every day. There was even a Jewish ritual of washing your feet. Do you know how Jesus washed the feet of his disciples and others? It was a ritual to wash and cleanse your feet as you came into the house, and you would have wooden and clay shower basins where you would wash your hair so you had the perfumes and the ointments in order to sustain you for times in between. And what about the singers and the players, the flutists? A very, very complex civilization here, just like the musicians of today. But what I wanted to talk about is the bankers, which were the lenders of the time, or the tax collectors like we understand, if you're familiar with the disciples in Matthew, there were professions that took an immense amount of academia and intellect, but at the same time were outcasts. There's a lot of professions today where people are outcasts. You see that sometimes right in real estate and mortgage. But in some cases, these are the most educated individuals, the tax collectors, who were mathematicians, were openly shunned. And then you had the governors, you had the Pharisees, and all of the different professions that kept, after more than 2,000 years of Jewish history, your society was kept in order. And when you look at it, stepping back a couple yards to see the whole picture, and reviewing all of the laborsome trades, like the blacksmith, the tanners, the carpenters, the weavers, the potters, the fishermen, they weren't so different than the trades we see today. You see the apothecary, the merchants, the singers, players. The merchants were just the retailers of the time. The bankers 
were just the lenders of the time. The scribes were just the editors of their time. That they're very, very similar to the professions that we have today. But the most important thing to remember, if you're listening right now, especially as we're in the grind going up to Christmas, please bring to mind that what you do is important in society. Have a self-worth and a value to what you contribute to the world operating in the fashion that we know it. And this is so much more important to cherish right now as we experience the stress of holidays and the stress of inflation and the cost of living right now. And I most importantly want to remind you, instead of just focusing on what you do in life and if you're striving to do more, what more you want to do in life, I would implore you to think of how you want to live, taking pride in what you do. And if you can't do that, to pray and find something that you're passionate about, turn off your iPhone, turn off your iPad, turn off the TV, and pursue that. Because whether we're talking ancient times in the life at the time of Jesus or whether we're talking today, it's so important for you to have value. And you add value to me. I become more and more excited about studying the historic times that people lived 2,000 years ago. And I want you to know that I'm here to help you live your best life now. I know right now, in reality, there's a lot of you that are struggling financially. I want to be there to help you. Not to just get a mortgage or a loan, but to sit down and teach you some principles of how you can set aside some reserves, you can eliminate your debt, you can put aside money for retirement, you can have a plan for your college or your kid's college, you can actually buy a house and pay it off and then give away graciously. So call me at 719-330-1457 anytime during the holidays and I will set up a time to do this with you free of charge. That's 719-330-1457. And I will be continuing the conversation of life at the time of Jesus this next week as I get into how they interchanged as a society with money and more. So like I say at the end of every show, go, grow, and prosper. Tell someone close to you that you love them. And if you've not found your passion... Pray this holiday you would receive it, because that's what I've received in you, the radio listener, some that I would serve passionately every day. You've been listening to The Jay Garvin Show. Well, the leaves have come to turn in, and the goose has gone to fly, and bridges are for burning, so don't you let that yearning pass you by. The proceeding was a paid program on KRDO News Radio. KRDO News Radio does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of the information contained in this program. And the views expressed do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the staff and management of KRDO News Radio. Most everybody got to see the soul.